0: There is a need in the foreign fields, there's a need in third world countries, but not too far from here, there are folks that need the Lord's love, and they're not going to know it unless uh, they know it through us, and we need to speak up on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles again to Luke chapter 22, and uh, my text and uh, title uh, come from the 32nd verse there. At the end of the verse, Jesus says to Peter... He is not speaking to the unconverted, the unsaved, the unbeliever, but Jesus is speaking to one of the inner circle of his men, one that would die for the cause of Christ, and he says to him, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help me as I preach tonight. I believe the truth that I'll preach is a very important one. And I pray that you would help me to present it in a way that it can be understood. But Lord, not just understood, but Lord, that we can apply the truth to our life. It's very important, Lord, that uh, you have our attention in these next uh, 25 to 30 minutes. I pray that you would bless and you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This statement... When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren, is a most interesting statement that Jesus says to Peter. It gets our attention because typically the word converted is referring to salvation. In fact, the word converted, as it is here, not convert or converts, but converted, is nine times that I can find in the Bible, and seven of those nine times it is talking about salvation when we talk about a convert we talk about uh, we're referring to someone that has believed in Christ someone that has put their faith and trust in Christ in the simplest terms the word converted means a changing of the mind salvation takes place when we go from a state of unbelief to a state of believing or putting our faith in Christ that's what happened when you got saved. Uh, you put your faith in Christ. But what happens, it was a changing of the mind and an acceptance with the heart for salvation. But here Jesus is not talking about Pe- uh, Peter being converted as far as salvation is concerned. He's talking about him changing his mind. Oh, how I, how I ask you for your attention tonight tonight. And just, just give it on purpose, not because I'm entertaining, but just because you have interest in this truth. In this story, Peter has declared to the Lord that he would die for him. He would die with him. Look at verse number 33. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Peter was adamant about his love and devotion to God. He did not realize the attack of Satan that would soon come on him. As Jesus said, Simon, Satan hath desired to have thee. Now think of that statement, Satan hath desired to have thee. That's what the devil did about Job He said, you let me at Job and I'll prove he doesn't love you. So he's saying here the same thing has happened, Peter, uh, to you that happened to Job. And Satan hath desired to have thee that he may sift you as wheat. And he's saying here, Peter, don't be too confident in yourself. Don't, don't, Don't have pride in what you think you believe. You need to listen to me, Peter. And Peter said, oh, no. He said, I'm ready. I'm ready to die for you. I'm ready to go to prison. Whatever it takes, I'm ready to go. And, of course, we know the story. And uh, when Peter was under the pressure of the enemy, and they said, you're with Christ. He said, no, I'm not with Christ. And he began to curse and to swear, trying to prove to them that he didn't even know the Lord Jesus. Now, uh, of course, thank, thank goodness that Peter did overcome that failure in his life. But I want you to follow uh, five statements I want to make here about Peter. First of all, I want to make note that Peter's mind was set. Peter's mind was set. Didn't matter what Jesus said, Peter's mind was set. Uh, He disagreed with Jesus. You know, that's a pretty dangerous thing to do. It's about as dangerous as you and I uh, reading the word of God and living another way. It's about that dangerous. about as dangerous to uh, to say, "Well, I read the Bible, and I believe the Bible, I'm not j- just not going to obey the Bible." And uh, but Peter, his mind was set. Second of all, he believed that he would never betray the Lord, and he trusted his flesh rather than listening to what Jesus was saying to him. Third of all, when the attacks came, he did deny. That he even knew the Lord when he denied the rooster crowed in fact it happened three times in the Bible tells us when the rooster began to crow that Peter he went out and he wept bitterly he wept because he was not as strong as he thought he was he was not as strong as his mind told him that he was here's a fourth statement he realized His need for dependency on the Lord and not to depend on the flesh. That's the lesson he learned. He learned not to depend on the flesh, but he learned that he needed to depend in the Lord. Number five, Peter did fall, but he was converted. He didn't get saved again, but his mind was changed and he did do what Jesus said to do he said when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren uh, two books of the bible uh, the books of first and second peter are proof that peter of course it did not quit uh, but he was converted he understood i can't trust in my flesh I have to trust in the Lord. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And there are many verses we could read, but I've picked two verses out that strengthen us in our times of trials. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter uh, he helps us about trials. One of the things he said is don't think it's strange when you come to a trial in your life. Don't think that's odd or out of the ordinary that's what happens to Christians. Christians come under the attack of Satan. He said in 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse number 10, "But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Peter said, I've learned it's the grace of God that I need, not to depend on my flesh. And what you need is to trust in the grace of God. Notice what he says in the second letter, Second Peter chapter one and verse number twelve. Second Peter chapter one and verse number twelve. Peter writes, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things Though ye know them, he said, I don't have a new sermon to preach. I'm going to preach the same truth I've always preached. And notice what he says, uh, that you may know them and be established in the present truth. Uh, Peter says in one of these other verses here, I'm going to preach the same things over and over when I'm gone. When you think about me, you're going to say, Peter, preach the same thing over and over and over and over and over. Have faith in God and you can make it through the trials by trusting in the Lord. Now, let me have your attention again. It took a tragedy to get Peter's attention, to change his mind, and to listen to what Jesus told him. He didn't agree with Jesus. And it took a tragedy for Peter to change his mind. All of us are much like Peter in this way. And we often never realize or think about it until a tragedy or something comes that gets our attention. It is said that people have, don't miss this statement, very few times in their life of deciding what they believe. Once a person decides what he believes, he then listens to only those he agrees with And with what he has decided to believe. And he avoids those that differ from what he has decided to believe. Now I want to make those statements again because I need you to to hear what I'm saying. People have very few times of learning or deciding what they believe. Once a person decides what they believe, they listen to folks who agree with them. They ignore people that they do not agree with. Let me give you an illustration I, um, that, that, that really got my attention about this truth. I was listening to a speech a doctor was making and he was working to convince a group of people uh, what to do and recommending some things to them about improving their health. It was a good speech. Folks were listening. But then he made a statement. He made this statement. He said, as a doctor, here's what I've learned. Most people... Already have already decided what they believe about their health and they come to me because I agree with them or I believe what they believe. Those who come to me that don't agree with my philosophy of health or what I teach about health, they don't listen to me because they've already decided what they believe. We've heard and we've used the statement, my mind is made up. It is said that we learn by two things. We learn by the experiences of our life. And we learn from people that we trust. We learn from people that we trust. Sometimes we trust people we shouldn't trust. Sometimes a teenager trusts a 7th grader to, tell them, to give them advice about life. Sometimes a teenager won't ask their parents what to do. They'll ask another teenager because they feel like they can trust them. And we learn basically in two ways from the experiences of our life and then we learn from people that we trust. Most of what we believe, we decided to believe as a child. Our beliefs are developed and deepened through that college age of 18 to 23 But most do not change what they believe after childhood and then the development and uh, the college age where their beliefs are deepened because we don't listen to folks that we disagree with. We listen to folks who support what we believe. If we took a poll tonight, if we went soul winning, All of us, and we just started knocking on doors witnessing to people. The older people are, the less they listen, if they're lost, about salvation. Because they've already decided what they believe. A child is open to listening. By the way, that's why the devil is not just targeting adults. The devil is working to convince children of things that are not true. Now, this important statement, what we believe controls how we behave. Most people choose a church based on whether or not that church teaches what they already believe. Those of you who witness to folks or invite folks to church that knock on doors, uh, you ask folks, do you go to church? Or uh, if, You'll find a lot of folks that will say, well, we're looking for a church. But what they're looking for is a church that teaches or preaches what they already believe. Few adults attend church to be changed in their thinking. Most are like Peter. They've already decided what they believe, whether it's right or wrong, and Jesus himself couldn't change what they believe. Think about that. Jesus himself is admonishing Peter to have faith in him. Uh, Oh, no, he said, Jesus, you don't have to worry about me. I'll I'll die for you. I go to prison. I'm ready. Peter, when the cock crows, you'll deny me, and the old rooster will remind you of what I've said. And Peter, when you're converted, when that old hard noggin of yours gets hit hard enough for you to think about what I'm saying, Strengthen your brethren and tell them you don't have to experience heartache to believe the truth. You can go ahead and believe the truth. Amen. And that's what Peter writes in his letters of First and Second Peter. The thing that changes what we believe is a life-threatening or difficult experience like what Peter faced. Now, after Peter had denied the Lord... The old rooster began to crow, Peter wept bitterly, his will had been broken, his mind was changed, and he did die for the cause of Christ. I want you to think with me, Nebuchadnezzar, he believed what he believed, man full of pride. You build a statue, and I want everybody to know I'm the greatest in all of the world. God said, I'm going to show you who the greatest is. And he changed his heart and he made him like an ox and he's out in the field eating grass like an ox and his hair is growing, his fingernails are growing and it took that experience to change his mind. Take your Bibles and go to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Notice what God did. Notice this experience here of what God did to change him. Daniel 4, verse 31, While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from me. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grasses, oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever He will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men. Notice what he says here. And did eat grass, his oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever. God changed the thinking and what Nebuchadnezzar believed. Sadly, Luke chapter 16, the rich man died believing what he believed and he opened his eyes in hell. The rich fool died believing that he was going to live on in wealth and prosperity and life would continue as it had and he would come to the day that he would say I'm going to eat to sleep and be merry but he didn't realize that his days were numbered his thinking was different than what the truth of God's word is. The prodigal son, he thought he knew better than his father and he wasted his inheritance because he believed different and his mind wouldn't change until he found himself in the far country and the Bible said uh, that he uh, was hungry and the Bible said when he came to himself, he said, I will arise and go to my father's house and he went from being a rebellious son to just wanting to be a servant and it was the hog pen that changed his mind that is why the bible says you cannot correct or instruct a fool he's already decided what he believes and the only thing you can do is make him mad uh, telling him anything different than what he already believes I do not believe we have to wait until tragedy in our lives that changes our thinking and causes us to believe what is right. Folks, this book is truth. And at some point in time, do you understand how much the devil is working to get our attention, to get our minds, to get our thinking, to control what we believe so we can control how we behave. And sadly, many in this world are on their way to a devil's hell because they believe... Well, a just God, a loving God, wouldn't send me to hell. No, but dear friend, that uh, that God loves you so much that he gave his son to pay the penalty of your sin. But if you don't accept his son as payment for your sin, you'll have to die and go to a devil's hell. It doesn't matter what a theologian told you. It doesn't matter what Hollywood says. What matters is what the Word of God says. You know, the thing that concerns me is this matter of Peter was not an unbeliever. Peter was not a follower. Peter was not only a disciple, he was of that 12 and not only of that 12 he was of the inner circle and he got a hard head about things and God had to put him through trials to get him to believe what was right. I'm preaching tonight we need to make a decision we're going to believe what the Bible says and we're going to stay in the word of God to keep our mind right and to keep our attitudes right because if we're not careful we'll let the devil pull and sway and we'll let the backslider pull and sway and we get to the place like Peter we don't have to go through that to know what truth is We need to know the truth about salvation Salvation is by grace through faith It's not of works Lest any man should boast according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 That's what the book says And, and, and I, I'm not trying to be unkind But you may say well my grandmother believed And you may have had a good grandmother But I want to tell you something You better believe what the Bible says about salvation Salvation is not by works Salvation is not by baptism. Salvation is not by giving money. Salvation is not by a level of goodness. Salvation is understanding that I'm a sinner on my way to a devil's hell. I cannot pay for my sin. I cannot rescue myself. And I trust Christ and him alone for my salvation. And that's how salvation comes. If you're here tonight or you're watching me tonight, you're listening to me tonight, and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior because you believe what a denomination believes or what uh, you believe what a Watchtower magazine has to say or you believe what a majority group has uh, to say, I want to say to you tonight, you need to listen to the Word of God and hear what the Bible says about being born again. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. And salvation is by grace through faith in Christ and in Christ alone. This matter of surrender. God doesn't want a few people to surrender to his will. He wants everybody to surrender to his will. You're not just looking for a few. He's looking for everybody to surrender to his will. Well, here's what I think about. Here's what I think about that. You know, it doesn't matter what I think about that. What matters is what God says. Take your Bibles and look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. In this matter of surrender, all of us need to understand God has a will for our lives. Some folks think, well, if I surrender to God's will, then I'll be a preacher. That's not true. I'll be a missionary. It's not true. You'll be a, you'll be a witness for Christ. You'll be a, you'll be a, a testimony for Christ. You'll do what's right, but God uses men and women in all walks of life as we find in the word of God. Uh, But, dear friend, uh, surrender is what God wants all of us to do. And he writes in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, verse number 1, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I'm sorry. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Don't say, what's the world doing? I want to chase them. I want to follow them. It's not the culture of the world we're interested in. It's the culture of Christianity. It's being transformed, as the Bible says, by the renewing. You see that phrase? The renewing of your mind. You know what that means? It means to change your mind and follow the truth. Follow Christ is the truth. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This matter of separation from the world. Folks get mad when you start talking about separation. You know why? I know what I believe about that. Doesn't matter what I believe about that. What does God say about it? Look at 1 John chapter 2. Turn your Bibles there. We're not supposed to be like the world. We're not supposed to use the language and the vocabulary and the behavior and the dress and the immodesty and the. And we're not supposed to live like that. First John chapter two, the Bible says in verse number fifteen, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and here's how it's defined: the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world." Sadly, the unconverted, there are three things that motivate them. Three things that help them to make every decision they make from the music they listen to to the places they go to be entertained and all of it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How does it make me feel? What do you think about me? What's everybody else doing? You know what the Christian does? Lord, what's pleasing to you? I'm going to listen to music that pleases you. I'm I'm going to use vocabulary that pleases you. We we, we come to the place, and I want to say to us, and if we're not careful, even as mature Christians, we'll come to a position of belief, and that position of belief may be different than what the Bible says, and if we don't take the Word of God and say, I'm going to believe the Word of God and do what it says and keep an open heart and an open mind to the Word of God, we will, as Peter, will fail. Let me give you four statements and I'm finished. Number one, decide that the Bible is true. I don't know it all. I've read it all many times. I'm studying it. I'm still learning. But I have decided that the Bible is the word of God. Go to John chapter 17, the gospel of John. Go to chapter 17. John chapter 17. Look at verse number 17. Here's what the Bible says. Sanctify them. The word sanctify means to set apart for a specific purpose. That's what it means. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, whatever this Bible says about any subject, that's what I hunger to believe. He warns me again and again about pride. Don't have pride in yourself. Don't have pride in your strength. Don't have pride in who you are. Rather than having pride in who you are and bragging about what you will or won't do, have faith in God. Put your faith and trust in him. Peter, listen, the devil desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Don't listen to your feelings. Don't let pride lead you. Have faith in God. First of all, we must decide that the Bible is the word of God. Second of all, decide that that truth, that Bible, will be our standard for truth. Whatever the Bible says, we're going to measure everything to the word of God. You may have come from a family that is not a family that believes the Bible. You don't have to be unkind to your family. But rather than being loyal to something that's not truth, you need to believe the Word of God. Take your Bible and go to Psalm 119. The Bible needs to be the guide and it needs to be the measuring stick for everything in our life. Do you know if a scientist disagrees with the Bible, I disagree with a scientist. If a historian disagrees with the Bible, I disagree with a historian. I'm not I'm not wise, I'm not smart, but this book is. And notice what he says here in Psalm 119, verse 128. Look at verse 127. Therefore I love thy commandments. Above gold, yeah, above fine gold. Therefore I esteem all the precepts, all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. For example, I believe that evolution is a lie. You say, have you studied it? Don't have to. It's different than what the Bible says, and I don't believe it's true. It's that simple Uh, And and so everything that we believe is gauged by, this is the gauge of what's true. Uh, Paul said to the church at Galatia, uh, he said, uh, If I or if an angel came from heaven and told you anything other than you're saved by grace through faith, don't believe them, don't believe me, believe what God has said. Let me give you the third thing. Read the word of God with a surrendered heart. You can can look through the Bible to support what you believe. I'm not reading the Bible to support what I believe. I'm reading the Bible to find out what it is I do believe. Because whatever God says, that's what I believe. Read the word. Number four, hear the word of God with a surrendered heart. I don't want to ever listen to a sermon and say, well, I've got this. I don't need this one. I can sort of check out. I need every truth. Hear the word of God with a surrendered heart. Jesus said, Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would.